Well, I get the privilege to speak about the climax of that story. Like Daniel talked about, that little diamond peak there. So we're going to try to, uh, tonight, get most of that climax. I really wanted to talk about the feast. I, 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 I just felt like one night didn't even do justice to talking about the feast. So I don't know if someone, I'll get a chance to do that some other time or not. But I actually wasn't done studying on it. But tonight I want to do an overview, talking mostly on the timeline of how um, I feel the scriptures um, uh, how the scriptures intends uh, prophecy to be. Um, some of you might disagree with that a little bit. That's all right. Maybe we can discuss some, some things on how you look at it differently. I wrote this up tonight here, and uh, I'm going to try to make a comment most on everything that's on this board here. And uh, this is kind of where I came out with most of these things, most of these uh, things I wrote on tonight. And so I want to go over kind of some of those things here tonight. So if you just want to get your phones out and take a picture of that, you may. I, I actually did it for myself in case I forget. I was, as I was studying, um, I, I thought I knew prophetic scriptures fairly good, where I, where I would place all these things, but it was kind of amazing how I needed to have a brush up on some of these things, and I was even surprised on uh, how I moved some of these around from what I thought of before as I did some studying. So, uh, and maybe even some of you would still move some of those things around here. Um, as, as in, in your opinion, which is fine. Am I centered here about right, Caleb? Okay. All right, let's pray before we start. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for the privilege of being able to study scriptures in this way, and we thank you that so much of scriptures is, is prophecy and about what's going to happen in the future. And Lord, we, I, I can get excited about it, and I just pray that the rest of us here tonight would get excited about the time when you're going to make everything new and everything right. And I just pray, Lord, that we would live our life in that excitement and that we'd be able to, yeah, tell the story about uh, what you want to do in the future because you gave it to us to share and you gave it to us to enjoy. You gave it to us to study, and I pray that we would do that in a real and a right way tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. But first, and I, I, I wish I would have had more time the other night when I was talking about replacement theology. I wanted to talk more about what God's place was um, for the nation of Israel, um, and, but uh, probably th this is where the rapture is. This is the next thing that we're probably going to see, uh, I'm pretty confident, see in our life is the coming of the rapture. That could actually come before I'm done talking here tonight. There's nothing preventing that from happening. Um, we could have put the gathering of the nation of Israel, um, that could have been in the tribulation, but God chose to do that before um, the tribulation, which we saw um, in 1948, where Israel became a nation, and I was reading a book. If, if any of you, uh, and some of you children like to read mystery books and things like that, I tell you, if you want to read things that are interesting, you read about how the nation of Israel uh, had its gathering together again and became a nation. I mean, they were wiped out. There was no Jew left in, in Jerusalem. They didn't even know exactly where Jerusalem was, and Israel was run by the uh, Muslim nations and and had the Crusades come through, and someone told me that the nation, uh, that the city of Jerusalem might have had almost 50 different wars on top of it, you know, just since, since, since Jesus' days. I mean, there's just been so much that happened there in Jerusalem. But the gathering of, of, of the nation of Israel in 1948 is just absolutely amazing, and how they became a nation. I mean, they had next thing to the whole world against them in, in 1948, and what, um, just when was the... Uh, 
World War II, Jordan, 42 to 45, right? And 48 is when they were, became a nation. I mean, you would have thought that this would have been a perfect thing for the, 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 all the Jewish people escaping the Holocaust. They would run back to the nation of Israel. About the time they were ready to do that, they realized that they were going to be persecuted in, in, uh, in Germany and Poland and some of those. I mean, there was like a million, a million Jews, I think, in Poland over the time of the, of the World War II. About the time they wanted to do that, Germany, I mean, uh, Great Britain, which was in charge of the land of Palestine at that time, made, to keep peace, they said that nobody, only 100,000 Jews are allowed to go back into the nation of Israel in one year. So that, <laughs> you've got a million people in Poland, you've got maybe a, close to a million people in Germany. Can you imagine how many Jews, millions, and probably two million almost in Russia, were trying to get back into the nation of Israel, and the doors were completely closed. They had people around the nation of Israel that were capturing these Jews as they were trying, refugees as they were trying to come into Jerusalem, not letting them, let, not letting them come in, and knowing about that time that Hitler was going to destroy six million Jews in the nation of Poland, Germany, and all those places. So, I mean, even in the midst of that terrible time when the United States, the United States kind of always was on the Jewish side, but they, they, they were trying to keep peace between, between um, uh, all the countries that were trying, the Palestine, the Muslims, and Egypt in particular were saying, no way you're letting all these Jews come back in here. You know, that's not happening. It's Palestine. It's not their country. And, and, and Great Britain was trying to keep peace there because they were closing the Suez Canal and all that there. And, and, and right over that time, when a lot of those could have escaped from Germany and Poland and gone into Israel, they weren't able to. They were all, a lot of them were killed, and they still, within two, three years after, after the time of, of the Holocaust, they still were able to make their own nation in 40. It just amazes me. It, it, it's a story of miracles. I'll, I'll tell you, it's just really amazing. And I did, you know, if you would have talked to people back in the 1920s, they, they, they wouldn't have known, known if the nation of Israel was going to be gathered before the tribulation or not. You know, we thought that it was going to happen maybe in the tribulation. But it happened now. We saw it in our daytime, which I think is exciting. We saw the gathering of the nation of Israel reading. And, and there's so many scriptures in, in the Old Testament that talk about the gathering of the nation of Israel coming back on eagles' wings, which I think is airplanes. And, and uh, I'll, I'll just read the one in Isaiah 11, verse, uh, chapter 11, verses 11 to 12. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand and a second time to reclaim the remnant that is left of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylon, from Hamath, and from the Isles of the Sea. He will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Ephraim's jealousy will vanish. Those two verses obvious. I mean, I don't know how you can put that in any time of life except in 1948 and since that. I mean, some people will try to say, well, the gathering of Israel was maybe back. I'm not sure when. I'm not sure where they put that. But those is definitely prophetic scriptures here. I guess we had a little bit of a gathering coming back when Ezra built his temple, but some of this was even, Isaiah was written, well, I think since after Ezra and uh, that time. So, yeah, there's definitely, I think, prophetic scriptures made sense in the gathering of Israel there in our day and still happening, still people going back to the nation of Israel and, uh, has become its own nation again. In fact, I saw something on the internet yesterday. Uh, scientists from Israel have a cure for cancer. We'll see, but amazing things happen in Israel uh, as of today yet. So here we come with the first resurrection, or what we also call the rapture. Uh, this is the next thing that I think will happen. And in 1 Thessalonians 4, if you just want to run through scriptures with me, I'm going to try to back everything up with scriptures here, and, and, uh, and then you can tell me if I'm putting it at the wrong place or not. 
First Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. You don't have to either. I'm going to read them fast. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump, God, trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. So this is, in a sense, the first resurrection or the first coming. Here's the second coming. Where, are we meet, where, are we, where is Jesus meeting us here? We're meeting him here. Where are we meeting him here? In the air, right? In the air? Where are we meeting him here in the second coming? Where is Jesus coming here? Where are we going to meet him out here in the second coming? Or not us. But on the earth, right. Jesus said, and I'll talk about that later, he put his feet on the earth, went through the eastern gates. So definitely talking about two different times, okay? This is the first coming. This is the rapture. This is what we're looking for. The first resurrection, which is the first resurrection of the Christians, right? Where it says here in 1 Thessalonians, the Christians will rise first, and then we which remain will be caught up together in the air. Meet Jesus in the air there. So that's the rapture. Why pre-tribulation rapture? Why do I, some people want to come have the Christians wait to halfway through here to get to, um, to get to go to heaven for the mid-trib mid, uh, people, not considering premillennial. Some of them say we're going to be post-trib. After all this, this is, this is what he's talking about. No, no, this is halfway, right here. This is the post-trib tribulation where we're going to come um, meet Christ then. I, I believe in the pre-tribulation um, rapture pretty strongly, and, and let me give you a couple reasons why. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, it says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. Think about it. What, did, did, did God ever really pour out wrath on us as a church? Do we know of any instances where God poured out wrath on us as a church? God doesn't pour out wrath on anybody else. Right. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. So he doesn't pour out wrath, especially not on his church. He will pour out wrath someday this time here, but not before that. I don't think God ever, why should he pour out his wrath on his church that he loves? He's forgiven us. Our sins are cleansed. What would be the purpose for that? In fact, he did what to Enoch? Enoch died the year of the flood, or went up to be with God the year of the flood. He took him before the flood. Um, when he did the flood, he what? Saved the Christians there. When, how about Lot? When he took Lot out of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah before before he poured out his wrath. There's a couple times throughout history that God did pour out his wrath. And I would say the flood is one of them. I would say the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah was something that God did. And both times he did what? Took all the Christians out. I think he's going to take all the Christians out here also before he displays his wrath on this earth. Jeremiah 30, verse 7. It will be a time of trouble for my people Israel. This will be a time of trouble for who? My people Israel. I guess if you put the church and Israel together, then you can, I guess, put us through here. I always like to tell people that I get an argument with that there. I said, if you want to go through the tribulation, fine, but I'm going up here in the rapture. The rest of you can suffer through. That's fine. I'm not, that's, if that's what you want to do, I don't care. But I, I, the Lord gives me enough of reasons to believe that I'm going up here, and I'm, I'm going to jump for that. I, I, I like that. Revelations 3.10, because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. Jesus speaking that to the church in Revelations 3, verse 10, at the church of Philadelphia. Yeah, I will 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse, verse uh, 9. Yeah, I just read that. Well, I read it the, us unto wrath. Yeah, I read that in NIV. Oh, okay. That's why it's a little different. Right. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. 
No mention of the church from Revelations 4 to 20, uh, chapter 4, Revelations 4 to chapter 21, no mention of the church there. So I think all that suffering where he's talking about the trumpets and the seals and the bowls, I think is talking about uh, this time right in here. And he, he doesn't even mention the church there. He does mention the church early in, in Revelation, but after 4 you don't hear any of it until you get to the last few chapters of Revelations. Another thing I think that happens, if you want to turn to 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 7 and 8, it kind of talks about when the Antichrist can take over. First to 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 7 and 8, for the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, which I think it's talking about now. The secret power of lawlessness is already at work. But the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he has been taken out of the way. So who do you think is the one who holds it back will continue to do so until it has been taken out of the way. Let me finish reading verse 8. And that the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. So who do you think is holding back the time of the lawless one so he can do what he wants to do? Isn't that what he's kind of saying here? For the secret power of the lawless is already at work, but the one who, who now holds it back, holds back from the lawless one's really doing his work, is probably what? <coughs> The church or the Holy Spirit. I think we can do both together there. So, in other words, I think what that verse is saying, this lawless one or the Antichrist can't wait to do his damage here. He can't wait to get started in here. But he, God is not going to allow him to do his damage to what? For the secret power of the lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till it is taken out of the way. How can the Holy Spirit or the church be taken out of the way? The rapture, right? In fact, it is kind of amazing. I, I, I really think when this rapture is going to happen, I don't think the people in, on this world are going to be really be that disappointed. It's, it's kind of, you know, as, as a lot of people in, in our nation right now, if we could just get rid of those Christians in the United States, we could do what we want to do. We could have our, our uh, new thing that what's-her-name is trying to do. What do they call them, that new environmental deal? Um, I don't know, the green deal that they're trying to come out. We could do that if we could get rid of all the Christians. We could do this progressive uh, socialism if we could get rid of all the Christians. We could run the earth probably like we want to if we could have all these Christians. So I wouldn't even be surprised once the Holy Spirit and the church kind of leaves, even though it might make some disaster, I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be right there with the Antichrist. All right, now we can do what we want to do. The church isn't here anymore. The Holy Spirit isn't here anymore. And yeah, evil's going to reign without the Holy Spirit in the church. And yes. The economy will really improve when you leave all your money on behind. No, that's true. It could, <laughs> they can have all mine, right? <laughs> so I should quickly give it all away before they get a chance to get it, right? And send it on up to heaven before that. That's true. They might, they might enjoy having our money. They can have mine. I don't care because I'm going here. If you want to stick around and keep your money and go through the tribulation, I guess you may. But I think I'm going to be part of the one he's talking about here. That's going to be removed so that I don't need to go through this time. This is the first resurrection. In fact, Revelations 20, verse 6 talks about the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God. So I want to be part of the first resurrection. It talks about there. Then I think we're going to have the rise of the Antichrist coming in here. As we leave, like I was saying, we're going to um, enter into the seven-year tribulation, which I think will be the na uh, nation of Israel. 
and we're going to have the rise of the Antichrist in the first three and a half years. Uh, that's, he's going to be looking pretty good. Like I said, I don't think they're going to be as disappointed as we think they are when all us Christians leave. In fact, I think they're going to be happy to see us leave because they can now uh, do what they want to. In uh, Daniel 9, 27, um, talks a little bit about the rising of the Antichrist, even makes mention that it happens. Um, uh, let me read that. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifices, offerings. I'll talk about that later. But he will confirm a covenant for one seven. So it looks like right in this time, we're going to have the battle of Gog and Magog. I'm not quite sure where to put that in here. It talks about that battle. That could even be um, Ezekiel. If you want to look it up and do some studies for uh, of it in Ezekiel 39, maybe I'll read a couple verses in there. 39 verses 25 to 29. This this is one that I don't. A lot of prophetic scriptures uh, people can't put exactly in the right place, but it looks like there's going to be an early on battle of Magog, which is going to be the northern armies of uh, maybe Russia, China, and somewhere going to attack Israel. Um, Ezekiel 39, 25 to 29. But we we we, we gotta. Uh, do something with this scripture here because it's pretty clear. Um, 20, Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I will now bring Jacob back from captivity, it's happened, and will have compassion on all the people of Israel, and I will be zealous for my holy name. They will forget their shame and all their unfaithfulness they showed towards me when they lived in safety in their land with no one to make them afraid. When I have brought them back from the nations and have gathered them from the countries of their enemies, I will show myself holy through them in the sight of many nations, then they will know that I am the Lord their God. For though I sent them into exile among the nations, I will gather them to their own land, not leaving any behind. I will no longer hide my face from them, for I will pour out my spirit. That's actually not the one on the battle. Okay, that's, 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 that's good verses. That's talking about when God will bring them back and pour out his spirit on their house. Uh, I'm not sure what I have the battle. What, John, you know where the battle of Magog and... 38. 38 of... Uh, Ezekiel, okay. Son of man, set your face against Gog. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Mish and Debul. Prophesy against him and say, this is what the sovereign of the Lord says. I'm against you, Gog, chief prince. Yeah, then it talks on about, the, uh, um, about their battle with them. So, John, do you have a spot where you would like to put that? Yeah, we have another battle here, John. I think you're right. This is the last battle where Satan is loose, and it sounds... But uh, I, had, I had a couple of prophetic people that were saying this is maybe a different one. It might be early on here in the uh, tribulation. I don't know. But there, there's going to be probably numerous battles through this time here. We do know you're right. There's a end battle here at the end of the thousand-year uh, reign. But I, I, they, they want to put one in here. So I'm not sure about that one there. Maybe they're the same. Maybe they're separate. But the, Aren't those first three and a half years more of a peaceful time? They are, yeah. And, and maybe even may, may, maybe even this is a time of, maybe they had that battle around this time, around the rapture, and, and Israel and the Antichrist might have made a time of peace to, yeah, because it looks like, well, we, 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 we could understand that the battle of Gog and Magog would happen now. If Russia would attack Israel now. We could see that happen. That, that, that could happen next. Now, but there is the rise of the Antichrist. It's going to make peace 
here early on, and this three and a half years are going to look like a pretty good time. And in fact, that's why a lot of people are going to believe in the Antichrist. A lot of the Antichrist believe, uh, people believe the Antichrist is going to be a Jew. I didn't write that down. What's the scripture for that? Anybody have that one? Thinking that the Antichrist actually might be a Jew. Does anybody disagree with that or have anything else on that? They actually think the Antichrist might be a Jew, which is going to um, lead here, get his power soon after this, and he's going to make some peace treaty between the nation of Israel, and it looks like the, the nation of Islam, and it's going to keep peace here for at least three and a half years. But then it makes it pretty obvious at the three and a half year period in Daniel 9, um, the abomination of desolation, Daniel 12, verse 11, um, it even says after three and a half years. It's, it's amazing how scripture even gives you all these dates and how many times it's going to happen. But in Dan, uh, Daniel uh, 12, verse 11, from the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished, and the abomination that caused desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. 1,290 days, about three and a half years. Blessed is the one who waits and reaches to the end of the 1,335 days. So there's definitely something going to happen. And then let's read Mark the 13, verse 14, which talks about, and, and those of us that were at Weavertown here for the last couple of weeks, we talked about the abomination of desolation in Matthew. Uh, Mark 13 is kind of the same time here, talking over that same time. Verse 14, when you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it, is, where it does not belong, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So what's going to happen at the abomination of desolation? Uh, let's, let me read Revelations 12, 17, see if they say a little bit what's going to happen there. And the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. So yes, he's going to make war with the nation of Israel. Probably right in here, the abomination of desolation. There, it looks like they're probably going to let Israel build their own temple here, which can you imagine? Israel building a temple in the nation of Israel. I mean, I don't know if they're going to do it at the, uh, at the Dome of the Rock, but if they get to do it there... That's going to be the ultimate of, of peace between the nation of Islam and Israel. My thinking is they're probably going to find a, a place close by to build it. They're going to find out that the temple should, that, that the stone of the rock is actually not the right place where the temple should be, and they're going to build it somewhere else. But the Antichrist is going to let them build it, which is going to make all the Islam people mad, but he's going to keep them happy for at least three and a half years and let them do that. So it's going to be the building of the temple, and then right here at three and a half years, it's going to, I don't know if they're going to, I guess they could start building a temple right now. I don't know. I mean, but it's hard to believe that they can build a temple in three and a half years. It's not going to keep them from getting started now if they want to. It's already built. They just didn't set it up yet. They got they got all the stuff for it, right? They got the red heifer. They got the they got the uh, priest clothing. They have the they claim the ark of the covenant. <laughs> There's different speculations. You know, they even put movies out on that. But yeah, so they're they're all ready to build it. So right in the middle here, we have the abomination of desolation. The Antichrist is ruling, and it looks like the Antichrist is going to come into the temple. It even says, what, in the west side somewhere of the temple? He's going to come into the temple, and he's going to make a sacrifice unto himself to have people worship him, maybe even sacrifice a pig or something. I'm not sure what's going to happen. But anyhow, the tension is going to go. It's, not, it's, going, to make, it's going to be the absolute almost worst thing that can happen in the temple of God. I, I don't know if you'll really call that the temple of God, because I don't think God will really be there in a sense, but 
Israel will think he is, but they're going to set up some idol, the Antichrist is going to set up some idol here in the middle of the tribulation in the west part of the, uh, of the temple, and it's going to be something terrible, probably something to bring glory to himself. And he's going to throw all, and he, all from there on, he's going to make mockery of the nation of Israel. And you probably have this scripture there in, in Second Second Thessalonians 2, verse 4. Who opposes and exalts himself above all, that he is called God, or that he is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Yeah, so he's going to set himself as God. And and I think Israel's going to recognize him as God. They're even probably doing sacrifices. He's, it's kind of amazing that they're going to allow the animal, the animal sacrifices. But it looks like they might even have permission to do that. I don't know how the animal rights are going to allow that. But uh, there might even be some animal sacrifices in the temple here. But he, yeah, he's going to do the worst abomination of desolation. The words the Bible uses is good description of what's going to happen in the temple. This is three and a half years in, the, in, in here. And then here... I, I, you know, this might not sound right to say it, but I think all hell is going to break out here. And I mean, the people of Israel are supposed to run. They're supposed to go hide themselves somewhere because the, the whole world's going to be, be against them. And I think, um, yeah, for three and a half years, God's wrath is going to be real. I mean, we don't know what God's wrath is. We, and I, I hate when people say that, that the destruction of a, of a hurricane or the destruction of tornadoes or... Um, Tsunamis and those things are, are, are God's wrath. I don't really think those are, I, I don't get into those conversations. We're all with God's wrath condemning the United States for doing wrong. I, I really don't think that's just part of, of the nature groaning and, and being what nature is. It's not perfect right now. Nature does some terrible things. So let's not get into that conversation. Is God trying to throw his wrath upon the, the nation of the United States by allowing the hurricane? I don't, no, let's not, I don't think that's God's wrath. I don't think we're going to see God's wrath. We might, we're going to see it here from heaven till we get in this time. Now God's going to pour out his wrath. And that's going to be through the uh, time. 300 pound of hail, too. Yeah, that, that's going to be rule. Yeah, and I don't even know if creation's going to make that happen, but God will make sure things like that happen. I mean, things that are beyond scorpions coming out of the earth, and it, it's going to be terrible. I mean, I, 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 it's not going to be a good time to be alive. The, the trumpets, the, uh, the bulls, and the seals, the seven trumpets, the rules are going to happen in that time of tribulation, which he talks about a lot in Revelations 9, 16, seven years. But a lot of it's going to happen three and a half years. Where are we going to be at? Not sure. Marriage, supper of the land, maybe. Maybe we're going to be up in here, in the, up, up in heaven at this time. If we're taken out, the God's going to be with the church. We're the bride, right? So we get to go to the marriage, supper of the land. I would like to think, I don't, Scripture doesn't back that up a whole lot. Let's go to a verse where he does talk about the marriage, supper of the land. Uh, Revelations 19, 6 to 10. Then I heard with a sound like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing water and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous act of the saints. Then the angel said to me, Write down, write. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. I don't consider myself as being invited since I'm the bride, so who else is going to be invited at the marriage supper of the Lamb? Speculation, maybe the Old Testament saints will be there with us, maybe all the children that die before the age of accountability. You know, bless, God says, um, how does he say there in verse 9? Um, yeah, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. You usually don't invite the bride, right? So maybe other people, just a speculation. Maybe, maybe, 
Maybe I'm going too far with that. But yeah, the marriage stuff of the land is going to happen. Um, is it going to be in this seven-year period? It really, in my opinion, maybe some of you disagree with me, I don't see the church hardly at all till right here. I don't, if some of you see the church in the thousand-year reign, if, if some of you think that we're here somewhere, that's fine, but um, it doesn't, we might be serving down here with God in some way during the thousand-year reign, but it does, I, I do know the marriage stuff of the land will probably happen in here, maybe stretched out into here, I'm not sure, but I, I, I like to think it's going to already happen at the seven-year uh, time of the, because the church, you got, if you have the nation of Israel coming later, and you have uh, Old Testament saints and all those. You know, we are the we are the bride, so that's going to be the special time for the bride and the groom to meet and have our marriage supper of the Lamb. And then maybe I think later is when all things will be made right. And this is going to be the special time of Israel and the throne of God and when He sets up His throne and all that here. Sam, right? any any comments of that? Are we, John? We're, we're, you, do you think we're going to? Marriage chapter of the Lamb, where, where do you think we, we are in this time? Are we going to be down serving with God here? It does say that maybe imply to us as judging the nations, but it does say that the nation, I mean, that the tribes will be doing the judging. Well, it oh. says that God will come back with thousands of his saints when he comes the second, when he comes the second time. Right, but that could be all the ones that were killed in the time of the tribulation. Could be us. Could be us coming back down here. We, we might come back up here. We might come down here when we, when we follow Jesus at the end of the Armageddon. Uh, Armageddon does say that his angels and his saints will be there. Could be us. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I, those are some Jesus, of the questions. Is Jesus going to reign here on this earth and we're up in heaven? Maybe first I joined that's, kinda, I, that's a good point. Yeah, forever. So, so we'll probably be down here with him somewhere. Yeah. You would like we're down in here in the thousand. I'm okay with that. John, what do you think? Down here with us? It doesn't talk a lot about the church when we're down in the thousand year reign. It's most of that's is when he's when he's dealing with the nation of Israel. But yeah. I don't know. You know, we could be in heaven and earth might be that close together that, that I don't know. Yeah, probably down here. Yeah. Well, what about the verse? Um, in Revelations 20, verse 4, where it talks about, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads. For in their hands... And they had, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Well, that's definitely the people that are killed in this time. Are you alright with that? Right. Yeah. But if the church is taken but out before well, that, are, are they the only? And then it goes on to say that this is the first resurrection. So is it only the ones that were beheaded that will be resurrected and reign with Christ, or will other Christians also? Are they also included in that? That's a good question. That's the one I'm not sure about. But I, I do know that in here that there's going to be at least 144,000 probably Jewish people that are going to get saved in the time of the tribulation. Probably even people beside the Jewish people. I, I don't think we can say that this is limited to only Jewish people getting saved in the tribulation. So there could be people outside the Jewish people. And I do think those are the ones that are going to reign in a thousand year reign. Like 
we just obviously heard there. I don't quite know if I heard the church in what you read there, maybe. Um, I don't know if some of you can, we don't, I don't want to debate this too long, but, but yeah. We're going to forever be with the Lord. We are, but the Lord is everywhere, so I guess, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm okay with being down. Let's not argue that one anymore. Let's keep going. Joseph, you want to say something on that yet? What's that? I'm giving a thumbs up. Okay, okay, move on. <laughs> right. Okay, so now, now my next thing that I have here is, is the War of Armageddon. Um, the Battle of, uh, yeah, the Battle of Armageddon. This is, when it talks about the day of the Lord, many times in Scripture, in the Old Testament, it talks particularly about the day of the Lord. This, this stuff, I'm, I'm trying to put a lot of stuff here in one spot, so I'm not sure how this is all going to happen in a lot of places here. But I'm starting here, let's start with the Battle of Armageddon. I'll tell you, if you want to make, if you, if you want to make um, your spine tingle, you do what I did. I was up on Mount Carmel, looking down over the Valley of Megiddo. This was back before I was married, when I was in Israel. And I was looking it out over the, uh, the, the whole flat land of Megiddo, which a lot of people think is where the Battle of Armageddon is going to be, which is about 20 miles wide, and I don't know how long. And I was up there on Mount Carmel, way up there on Mount Carmel, which is where um, Elijah. Elijah had his, th- uh, yeah, looking out over the, the valley there. And I'm looking out of the valley there, and I'm thinking about when the Lord's going to have that battle there sometime. I'm, I'm getting kind of soft, and the Lord's going to have his battle there. And about that time, I see these two jets, Israeli jets, flying down through the valley. I didn't hear them at all. All of a sudden, they're in front of me. And they were going through that fast, below me, you know, almost straight out from me. That's, you know, we were high. They were going down the valley. These two Israeli jets ripping through the valley there. And all of a sudden, you hear the noise after you see them, because you know, they were flying faster than sound. And even when I was over in Israel, I heard the sonic boom a couple of times, which you're not allowed to do in the United States. When, when, the, when the jets fly faster than sound, it creates a sonic boom right when they do that, and it's like a loud bang. You're not allowed to do that in the United States. They've got to be out 200 miles to do that, but they're allowed to do it in Israel, I guess. Now, I'll tell you, I, I just, oh, man, that made my spine tingle. I think that here are these Israeli jets going through there, right straight out from me, and this is where the battle Armageddon is going to be at, where it talks about in Zechariah 12:10. This is one of my favorite prophetic scriptures. Um, and this, this is the, uh, the saving of the nation of Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. We have the nations, <coughs> the Antichrist is against Israel, and, and there are, now the nations are all coming together, and they're getting ready to attack. They're going to eliminate. You know, how many times has the world tried to completely eliminate the, the uh, nation of Israel? And they're doing a pretty good job of it. It shouldn't be hard to do it now. They have how many nations here against against Israel here? Maybe if you want uh, right right here at Armageddon, ready to attack Israel here. And in Zechariah 12 verses 10, they see well, this is what's going to happen. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplications. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as a one for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. The nation of Israel is at their wit's end. Think they're going to be eliminated. They're persecuted. God's going to come down from heaven. What are the other scriptures? I need to keep reading some of those. Uh, Armageddon, uh, Revelations 19. Let's, let's, let's turn to there. If I read right from the scriptures, I mean, that's why it's not tempted to add stuff to it that shouldn't be, right? Revelations 19, verses 11 to 21. I saw heaven standing open. There before me was a white horse. 
His rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges as making war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on a white horse, and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On this robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing on the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair, Come, gather together for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and mighty men of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all people, free and slave. And small and great, then I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who had performed the miraculous signs on behalf. With these, he, with these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped the image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fairy lake of burning sulfur. The rest of them were killed with a sword that came out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, and on the birds gouged themselves on their flesh. Can you imagine that times of battle Armageddon that I read just there? The nation of Israel is surrounded by them. They're going to look up, see the heavens open, it says, and Jesus coming out in a white horse. And all those years that they were still looking for Messiah, they take the Passover every year in early spring. The children still run out there. Has the Messiah come yet? No, he still hasn't come. This time, they will look up like it says in Zechariah 12, too and recognize him as their Messiah. But the nation of Israel will accept him as their Messiah. They will weep with tears and mourn at the thought that the Messiah came to save them. So what is happening, though, those, those armies were going against Israel, but then they saw yeah. Christ come, and then they go yeah. against him. Then they went against Christ, yeah. So that was no easy battle, was it? <laughs> Once Christ took him, he took, the, he took Satan and the false prophet. What do you take here? The false prophet and... Uh, uh, is the, the beast captured them, threw them in the uh, into judgment, bound them up. Satan here was bound up here at this time too, and yeah, and that's when the second coming came, and that's when judgment, uh, second resurrection came. That's that's what we call the second coming, the day of the Lord. Almost every time you read about the day of the Lord, just think of it. That's probably not here. That's probably here. A lot of people want to put the day of the Lord at the rapture. The day of the Lord is here the nation of Israel, when he will save his nation of Israel, and he will free them and destroy, put the Antichrist, binding of Satan happens at this time, second resurrection happens at this time, and then also maybe the, even the judgments of nations. Um, and that's what I was, uh, let me talk to uh, Zechariah 14.4, it talks about when Jesus came down and, um, on the Mount of Olives. I tell you, if, if you if you enjoy prophecy and haven't been in Israel, you need to go to Israel. Zechariah 14, and you're sitting up there at Mount of Olives. You're looking down over over the Mount of Olives into the into the, uh, the city of, of Jerusalem. You see the golden tomb, uh, the golden um, dome there, which you know is run by the Muslims, owned by the Muslims. You see the Eastern Gate. What's what, what's going to happen at the Eastern Gate? It's shut, right? And it's amazing. It says in prophetic scripture, I can't get the verses right now, but it says the eastern gate will not come till Jesus walks through that gate. It's still shut. It's still shut. It hasn't been opened up. You're looking down, and the, the gate's still shut. We'll be at when, when Jesus in Zechariah 14, verse 4, 
then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, forming a great valley with half of the mountain to the north. And going on down, then the Lord, my God, will come and all the holy ones with him. So his feet are touching the ground, right? In the rapture, we are meeting him in the air. So this is a different time. This is the time right, right by Armageddon where he comes down and, and takes over. Then we have a thousand-year reign. And this is an amazing time, too. Maybe the judgments of, of, the, of the nations, what am I talking about there? Um, maybe this is the time that the Old Testament saints uh, come back, separation of, of the sheep and goats that he talks about in Matthew 25, 31 to 46. I would love to read that, but I've got five minutes left to even that. And so there's a judgment of the nations here um, where the, he has the sheep and the goats on, on sheep and the goats on the one side. Remember in Matthew 25 where he talks about that in the last Sundays, or coming up actually in one of these lessons. And I think that's probably going to be here where he's going to separate the... Uh, the, the people that made it through the tribulation that were Christians and separating from the ones that aren't and then the ones that I think are going to stay saved are going to go through the thousand year reign or got saved here in this time and go through the thousand year reign so what all happens in the thousand year reign <clears throat> Jesus himself will rule the world and he will come back and do the three covenants that he still needs to fill in the Abrahamic covenant which is a spiritual blessing on Israel that's going to happen in this time I'm not going to read that one, but I do want to read the one in, in, in Deuteronomy. Oh, my God, read, I got reading 10 verses. Deuteronomy 30. And it's just amazing. This is the Palestine. This is the restoration of the land of Israel. Um, and I, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to, I was trying to look on the Internet how much, how much land they think Israel was go, is going to get in the, when they're restored, get all their land back. But I don't think Israel has, even at this time, yet restored all their land, even back in the time of, of uh Joshua it said we still have some land. I don't think they conquered everything that they were supposed to. So I think the land that they that they will get during the thousand year reign is even more property than than what they had back in Joshua's time. When all these blessings in Deuteronomy 30 and curses have set before you come upon you and you take them to heart wherever the Lord your God disperses you among the nations. And when you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and with all your soul according to everything I command you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where he scattered you, even if you have been banished to the most distant lands under the heavens. From there the Lord your God will gather you and bring you back. He will bring you to the land that belongs to your fathers and you will take possession of it. He will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants, so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. The Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies who hate and persecute you. You will again obey the Lord and follow all his commands I am giving you today. Then the Lord your God will make you the most prosperous in all the work of your hands and in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, and the crops of your land. The Lord will again delight in you and make you prosperous just as he delighted in your fathers. If you obey the Lord your God and keep his commands and decrees that are written in this book of the law and turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. That, that's got to be prophetic scriptures. I, I can't put that anywhere in history. That, that's got to be prophetic scriptures. It's got to be the time of the thousand year reign when, when the Lord is going to bless them and he's going to fulfill his Palestinian covenant, the restoration of land. The Davidic covenant, when God is going to come and reign in 2 Samuel 7, 
10 to 3 when, when Jesus is going to come and take over his throne again. And, and, this, is, and, and this has been prophesied, and, and the nation of Israel has been... That's why in the time of the, the, uh, the disciples and all that, even before Jesus went up to heaven, the disciples, when are you going to restore your kingdom, God? You know, when are you going to set up David as, as king again? Is, is it now? And, and you know, a lot of the people during Jesus' reign on this earth were, thought it had to happen now. Even when they were going in and, and, and on Palm Sunday, they were, you know, this, this was a time that Jesus was going to set up his throne on David's throne and was going to rule again. It didn't happen then, but it's going to happen right now. And so the Davidic covenant is going to um, happen in that time. Second Samuel 7, verses 10 to 13. Amazing verses. Um, and I will provide a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did in the beginning. And I have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you the rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and, with, and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. This is what? The Messiah? And then, God the, uh, and then Jesus Christ here when he reigns in this time. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. His throne will be established here again, and it will go on forever. The throne of David, when Jesus Christ comes back and rules, and will show the world and the nations that all the people are of the nation of Israel here, probably not. Not all of them probably were Christians when they came into the thousand-year reign. It says a couple of times that nations will come to watch, and they're going to observe this kingdom. Satan's going to be taken out, so there won't be temptation. There won't be a lot of good things will be happening here that says what the calf will be sitting with the um, lion and the child with the snake and you know this is probably going to be a time of garden of Eden in here Satan's going to be bound we're not going to know what evil is and, he, and this time is going to be when God's going to reign on this earth and it's going to be a perfect kingdom that's going to be reigning the way that God had wanted it to be back in the nation of Israel's time but he will show the world there and he's made that promise with Israel I don't know how you can put the church in there and I don't know how you can Say that happened already. That looks future to me. And that's uh, during the thousand-year reign. Then the Abrahamic and Palestinian covenant and the Davidic covenant was fulfilled at that time. And then we have the last battle in Revelation 20, verse 7 and 10, which is going to happen here where Satan is released for a little while. This one, a lot of people have a problem with that. But uh, Why God left Satan come out here um, and be released and... Um, tempt some of the people again. I don't think he's going to be tempting and taking any of the people that were Christians at this time in the nation of Israel. I think it might be the people that were left over. Are there children going to be born in this time? Maybe. There's a couple places it almost sounds like they're going to, since everything is perfect and good, there's going to be a lot of children born at this time. I forget where I read that, but, but it, 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 something had said that, uh, yeah, the population is going to increase greatly. So I don't know if those are going to be capable of being tempted by Satan. Um, any, any comments on that? Who, who, what, what are your thoughts on the, the, on the last battle there and, and the time that Satan comes up here? He's going to take his nations and he's going to try to uh, take over um, God again, his last chance. In the thousand-year reign, everybody is going to have to do that which is right. Yeah. And some people think they, they, they might not have the Holy Spirit to say what's right. They just have to do what's right. Jesus is going to eliminate anything that's not right. 
But when Satan comes back again and tempts him, yeah, just like the garden, just uh, they're 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 not right. They just had to do right. They had there. to do right, and then, then when right. Satan comes, they they're gonna they fall for it. We're gonna fall for it. That looks like they're quitting up there. I need to quit. But then with that there, a lot of them are going to be tempted. Then we have the great white throne judgment. I think the great white throne judgment is going to be the second resurrection where all the people that were dead and non-Christians before, the whole way from the beginning of the world, are going to be coming alive here. I don't, like it says in Revelation 20, I want to be part of the first resurrection, not the second resurrection. This is when all the non-believers will be resurrected and will meet God and see their doom in hell. I don't think Christians will necessarily be meeting God at that time. Probably only non-Christians and they will uh, meet their destination, which is hell, and the rest of the people that were tempted here. A lot of people here are going to be tempted by Satan. It says vast amounts. And they will be tempted, and they will meet their end here at the end of a thousand-year reign. And then in verses, chapters, the new earth, the new heaven, this is a lot of what I was talking about, when all things will be made new um, at the end of the thousand years, and when eternity starts. And let's turn to Revelations 22. We'll close with that. <coughs> talking the other day in prayer meeting about the tree of life in, in the garden and when that tree of life is shows up here again in the uh, in revelations 22 let me start reading and uh, oh boy I should read the whole chapter I, 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 I need to I need to close I'm gonna let you close that but let me close with with the, um, the last few verses I warn uh, let's go with Let's start at verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, and they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are on there in verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root, the offspring, of day of the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Jesus shows his the whole way back from Revelation 3.19 where he talks about redemption to the whole way back to about the last verses of the Bible. He's still inviting people to come. And that's our message that we need to let people know today. It's exciting. Amen. He ends up in verse 20. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. So I can get excited about that if the rest of you can't. I don't think you have any <laughs> spiritual bone in your body. But... <laughs> To me, end times is pretty exciting, and, and, and it's nothing to be feared. It's, 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 it's um, yeah, look forward to it. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the privilege of studying end time prophecy, and thank you for putting so much in the Bible about end time prophecy because it's, it makes me excited about going home and living with you and makes me feel like <coughs> living life to the fullest here to prepare to go home and I just pray Lord that we would continue to invite those around us Lord you are holding at back from not returning so that more people can come into the kingdom and I pray that we would be those people that would do that thank you for those that showed out this evening and the blessing of that in Jesus name Amen